الحمد لله وحده والصلاة والسلام على من لا نبي بعد ما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وذكر فإن ذكرتان فالمؤمنين صدق الله العظيم اللهم صلي وسلم وبارك وارحم على عبدك ورسولك سيدنا محمد النبي الأمي والآله وسلم تسليما إمام الغزالي رمال تعالى in one of his works, Ghalib uh, al-Minhaj al-Abideen, mentions that there's three meanings of taqwa in Qur'an al-Kareem. All of us know that taqwa is one of the most repeated words in Qur'an. And it's ulama like Imam al who are so well-versed in all those ayat al-Qur'aniyya and ahadith and nabawiyya that they can gather and compile all of those meanings under two or three headings. So Imam al writes that taqwa in the Qur'an al-Kareem has three meanings. The first he describes is a sense of fear accompanied by awe. So khawf and khashiyya. And this is coming from another aspect of this word, wikaya, means to be wary of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what it really means is to be wary of disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to be wary of the punishment and wrath of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to be wary and afraid of being distant from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and to do all of this while holding Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the highest reverence and being in a state of awe. Now you can see that's the whole paragraph I had to speak in English, just to understand the first of the three meanings of taqwa. But it's very important because many times, you know, we want or we make dua to Allah Ta'ala, make us from the muttaqeen, or we say, oh, I'm lacking in taqwa, I wish I could increase in taqwa, how can I get more taqwa, what's missing in my life is taqwa. And I think it's important for us to maybe use these paragraphs instead of taqwa. For example, no doubt we can make dua to Allah Ta'ala, Ta'ala increase me in my taqwa. But once sometimes, maybe we have to make longer du'a. Sometimes we have to unpack it. So, for example, to make du'a to Allah, Ya Allah, increase me in my fear of you. Put me always in a state of awe of you. Fill my heart with khawf and khashiyat of you. Let my heart always be filled with your reverence. Let me always be wary of disobeying you. Let me be wary of your wrath and your punishment. Let me be wary of disappointing you. Let me fear being distant from you. Because all of that is taqwa. And I think what happens many times is when we make du'a, we just ask Allah for taqwa. It's just a word now that rolls off of our tongue without really understanding the meaning. And therefore, then we're not having that sense of yearning. So one benefit to understand this term, or all the terms actually in the Qur'an, is that we can make du'a for it in a more long manner. The second is it makes it easier for us to understand what I need to do. So if a person says, I wish I had more taqwa, and then we ask them, that, okay, how many times a day do you try to instill your heart with fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? How many times in the night or how many times in prayer do you stand with, like the khashi'een in a state of awe and reverence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So most people think, oh, no, I didn't think that for me just taqwa just managed to stay away from sin. That's coming. That is uh, one of the aspects of taqwa. But that's not all taqwa is. So you're going to be able to stay away from sin when you have more awe and reverence of Allah Ta'ala inside your salah, when you have more fear 
of Him generally, when you're more weary of disobeying Him and being distant from Him, then you will stay away from sin. So taqwa is an emotion, it's a feeling, it's a state of being, it's an outlook, it's a paradigm. Which, which crowning the crowning consequence of taqwa is that we stay away from sin. So this is the first sense uh, that Imam al has said uh, that taqwa has been used by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Qur'an al-Kareem. The second, he says, is taqwa is used in terms of itaat and ibadah. So itaat means uh, obedience, ibadah means worship. So taqwa means to comply and obey and adhere and to submit and to align our hearts and our beings and lives with the commandment and the will and the wish and the pleasure, the rada of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And there's a link here. It's very subtle, but Imam Ghazali is saying there's also a rabt, uh, there's also a connection between itad and ibadah. And it works both ways. The more you obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the easier it becomes to worship Him. So if somebody does a sin, let's say in the afternoon, it's going to be harder for them to pray Asr Salah. If they're sitting and doing a sin, it's harder for them to walk away and go for Isha Salah in the masjid. So the stronger their ita'a, the stronger their obedience and compliance, the easier worship will become. And the stronger their worship will be, and the deeper their worship will be. So let's say, alhamdulillah, even if that person manages to pull them away, pull themselves away from that sin, and pray, they won't be that focused in their ibadah. Similarly, the more ibadah we make, the easier it is to obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the meaning when Allah, that's one of the many ways Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala expresses in Quran and its meaning. Inna salata tanha an wal munkar. That a person who regularly offers salah, the established salah, prevents a person from crude, immodest, shameless acts and those which have been rejected and repudiated and have been denounced by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So then go back to the understanding. So if we make du'a to Allah ta'ala for taqwa, we should then also make du'a. Ya Allah ta'ala, increase me in my obedience, increase me in my ita'a, increase me in my worship, increase me in my ibadah. And if we say we want to get more taqwa, the whole purpose of my learning is to get taqwa, the whole purpose of my seeking is to get taqwa, the whole purpose of my zikr is to get taqwa, the whole purpose of my da'wah is to get taqwa, then again we have to unpack that word. So a person says, I want more taqwa, but then we see that, okay, every day are you trying to do more worship? They said, no. Are you trying to do more obedience? They said, no. So how is it going to be if taqwa equals obedience and worship, and you keep obedience constant, and you keep worship constant, then the taqwa will be constant. It's not going to go up. So again, the same thing that both in our du'as and our outlook and our lived life, we have to understand what these words mean. And I'm just right now doing one sentence of Imam al-Ghazali, and this should also show you uh, the extreme depth of the words of the ulama awliya, the extreme depth of the words of the true salihin siddiqin, that if we just even go deep, and just their one or two or three sentences are so deep and have so much meaning. And, and this is just my own conjecture, Allahu Alam, 
how deeply Imam Ghazali himself understood the concept of taqwa, how deep a level of taqwa he must have had to have expressed uh, the meaning of taqwa in these few ways. So the first aspect was uh, fear and awe, and the second aspect of taqwa is obedience and worship. And then he says very interestingly that the third meaning of taqwa as used by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Qur'an al-Kareem, and he uses a very specific expression, is to free the heart from sins. And then he says, and that is the reality and essence of taqwa. That's the haqiqah. Uh, that's the reality and essence of taqwa, to free the heart from sin. So it's not just sinful action, Right? Uh, it's understood, obviously, once the heart is freed from sin, then the limbs necessarily become free from sin. Now, if we look at the first meaning, fear and awe, those are emotions and feelings of the heart. If you look at the second meaning, obedience and worship, those are outward acts that definitely require the heart, but also have an element of the body. And then Imam Zalimantala return back to the heart. So taqwa, the third meaning of taqwa, is freeing the heart from sins. How? So Imam Ghazali writes that this reality and essence of taqwa is such that your Rabb never sees you in a state in which he has forbidden you to be, and never does he miss you in a state in which his pleasure wishes you to be. Allahu Akbar. So this is another understanding of sin. Sin means in your heart, right? What does it mean to have sins in the heart, the heart sins? So the sins of the heart is that your heart is in a state, in a condition, in a feeling that Allah SWT doesn't want it to be in. Or your heart is failing to feel the feeling and be in a condition and be in a state that Allah wants you to feel and that state would have been pleasing to him. This is the meaning of taqwa. So let's go back. That your heart is never feeling the feeling or emotion that Allah has forbidden. It's never in a state, in condition that Allah dislikes. So, for example, your heart is not feeling jealousy or hasad for someone. Your heart should not be feeling bull or malice, spite, hatred, vengeance, retribution for someone, or greed. Your heart should not be feeling love for the dunya or greed for material things or desire of fame or so many things, right? And that is obviously, you know, much talked about in the field of Tazkiyah the sins of the heart, the ailments of the heart. So that your heart should never have those feelings. Okay, states. So I was reading somewhere else uh, by uh, Ibn al-Qayyim al-Jawziyur, and he was mentioning a writing about huzn. So huzn in English, you can say, means um, anxiety, grief. It's like a sort of anxious grief. It's not just sadness. Uh, you know, I know people have translated, I think, a famous book, La Tahzan, as Don't Be Sad. Uh, it's really don't, you know, have anxious grief. Uh, don't let grief bring you into anxiety. Now, there's a certain type of anxiety, obviously, it's not a person's control. 
whether that's behavioral or psychological or psychiatric. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about people allowing themselves to wallow in despair, in self-despair, to slide into anxiety and depression. So Ibn al-Qayyim al-Jazeera, Ibn al-Tala, he writes that Allah Ta'ala has never used the word huzn, okay, which is allowing yourself to slide into anxiety due to grief. Allah Ta'ala never used the word huzn in Qur'an al-Karim except in a negative way. In other words, either it is described that it's a negative emotion or we're told not to have it, la tahzan. So, for example, most famously, Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is quoted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the eternal, pre-eternal Qur'an al-Kareem as having told Sayyidina Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala an la tahzan inna Allah ma'ana So what does that mean? Allah ta'ala is with everyone. Huwa ma'akum, aina ma'akuntum. So what does it mean? That you should never let your grief, let you slip and slide into anxiety and despair because Allah Ta'ala exists and you have Iman and you believe in Him and He is therefore with you. Just the fact of the wujud, the existence of Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala, your Iman, your belief in Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala, and thereby once you're a believer, Allah Ta'ala's ma'iyya, Allah Ta'ala's intimate nearness and constant encompassing presence of, of you and about you, that is enough to prevent your sorrow and sadness and grief from letting you slide into despair and anxiety. Allah Akbar Kamila. So taqwa would mean then that not to have this state of anxiety and despair. Again, we're talking about the emotional state that a person could control or come out of. This is the example of the first part. What? that the third meaning of taqwa was freeing the heart from sins. And what was that? That And that was the reality of taqwa, and the reality and essence of taqwa is that your rub never perceives your heart to have a feeling which he is forbidden or displeasing to him, nor is your heart in a state or condition which is forbidden or displeasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay, then the second aspect of that was what? Nor does your rub miss you nor does he, nor are you absent. Is your, nor is your heart absent. Nor is your heart absent from the feeling that Allah Ta'ala commands you to feel or wishes you to feel or would be pleased if you felt. Nor is your heart absent of the state or condition that Allah Ta'ala commanded or he wishes or he would be pleased if you were in that state of condition. That is also taqwa. In other words, to have those emotions and conditions and states that Allah Ta'ala wants us to have. So, for example, tawakkul Allah. So, you see, it's not about halal and haram. Taqwa is not only about halal and haram. It's not only about fard and haram. Tawakkul Allah. But that's a feeling that Allah Ta'ala, in many senses, has also commanded us. And in another sense, you could say desires in us. In another sense, you can say would be pleased to find that uh, pleased when that feeling of tawakkul is in our heart. So the absence of tawakkul is a sin of the heart. The presence of tawakkul, tawakkul means certain uh, conviction and certainty and reliance and trust and dependence on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. مَن يَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى اللَّهِ فَهُوَ حَسْبُهُ 
that whomsoever has tawakkal on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, relies upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah ta'ala suffices for them. So this feeling of tawakkal, and then the absence of the feeling, especially when the feeling is commanded, or even actually when the feeling is desired, is a lapse of taqwa. Condition and state, what would be an example of that? So one example of a condition and state is to be content, to be razi and content and pleased with the decree, with the taqdeer of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whether that is referring to our monetary situation or whether that's referring to our, you know, so many things in life are part of taqdeer. So to be razi, to be content and pleased with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and if our heart is absent of that state and condition of contentment, that is also a sin of the heart, and that is an absence of taqwa. So then again, go back and think again. So when we make dua to Allah Ta'ala for taqwa, we have to make dua for all these things. Allah Ta'ala, fill my heart with every feeling that you have commanded, that you desire, that is pleasing to you. Allah Ta'ala, keep my heart always in a condition, and a state that is with that which you wish for me and will for me and is pleasing to you in a state of remembrance, in a state of dhikr, in a state of contentment, in a state of sabr, in a state of patience, in a state of shukr, in a state of gratitude. And also to make dua, Allah Ta'ala, remove from my heart all those feelings that are abhorrent to you, that were forbidden by you, that are displeasing to you. Remove from my heart any and every such state and condition that is displeasing to you and disliked by you. All of this is part of the dua for taqwa. And again, all of it will have to be part of the effort for taqwa. So then we have to learn what these sinful states are of the heart, what the sinful emotions are of the heart, what the pure, beloved, desired emotions are, what the pure and noble states are, and we have to make effort on all four to rid ourselves of the forbidden feelings and states and to acquire and adorn with a permanence, as, as permanent as, as much as we can, the positive and desired mahboob and matloob uh, feelings and states and conditions of the heart. Now, another place in Qur'an al-Kareem, Allah Ta'ala has mentioned about taqwa, that we have to mutually help one another. In another place, that we have to mutually counsel, mutually remind one another. And so many other ayat and ahadith especially, so that the two hadith that Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam said, that none of you is truly a believer, none of you is a truly a perfect believer, until they love for their fellow believer what they love for themselves. So this is another way to get taqwa. Okay, now that I've understood, and there's just one, this is just my explanation, a few lines of Imam al-Ghazari, the Alhamdulillah, the works of the ulama, mufassireen, muhaddisin, awliyaullah, have written so much on taqwa. But even just this small understanding that we could cover tonight, uh, another way to acquire it is to help others to do it. Okay, so I can't do it. I'm not able to take the anger out from my heart. I'm not able to prevent myself from sliding into uh, despair and anxiety, or 
I'm not able to have increase my obedience, I'm not able to increase my worship, or I can't feel more fear of Allah Ta'ala or more awe, all of these different things we talked about. And there's much more about taqwa. Okay, there's another way. That, okay, help someone else in these things. Any aspect of taqwa, any meaning of taqwa, any shade of taqwa, and even help them in understanding what taqwa is, or help them in living a life of taqwa, or help them in their pursuit of taqwa, or reassure them when they fail in their taqwa. That's also a part of of mutually helping one another. In fact, most people need help more when they're failing. Most people, they just need to be reassured to remind them of Tawbah, to remind them of the Rahmah, the path of repentance, to remind them of the Rahmah, the infinite mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And now, strictly speaking, the Arabic is mutual, right? Now, it may be that the person you're helping may not be able to help you, Apparently, outwardly, right? But they might uh, be able to help you in another way, is that your act of helping them in taqwa means that Allah Ta'ala will be so happy that He will help you. Like Nabi Akareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said in the hadith, that when a believer helps another believer in some hajjah, in some need of theirs, then Allah subhanahu wa will help the helper in some need of theirs. So if we help, and what's the greatest need that any believer could have is taqwa. That's our ultimate greatest need. So if we help someone in their pursuit of taqwa, we can make dua to Allah Ta'ala and have hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He will help us in our pursuit of taqwa. This is another thing that's lacking, that we don't have these relationships of counseling, of mutual reminding, of treating one another with kindness and good character, with encouraging one another. And alhamdulillah, I've seen actually that, and it's very reassuring to me uh, and very refreshing to see that, you know, there is a... I mean, without commenting broader on use of social media and all of that, but I have seen this increasing trend of people sharing, uh, you know, motivational, inspirational incidents or stories or quotes uh, in a way to help as reminders, as nasiha, as advice, as counsel, as encouragement, right? Alhamdulillah, uh, that's a very, that itself could be an effort. Uh, to help someone else in taqwa. And Allah, who knows uh, how far those words that a person shares would travel. And Allah Ta'ala knows best how much a person would uh, do amal, would be able to live and practice, you know. But that's the beauty, that to get the reward of ta'awun, it doesn't require that the person succeeds. It doesn't require that the person does amal or practices what you share with them. It just requires that you share with them. And this is the very crux of all dawah. And this is why Allah subhanahu wa taught Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to say and to feel and proclaim, as mentioned in Quran, wa ma'alayna illa that there's no, no duty incumbent upon us other than simply delivering the teachings of Allah subhanahu wa and making sure they reach uh, the ears and hearts of the people.
And so this was uh, a briefness here that we wanted to give tonight on this uh, meaning and feeling of taqwa. We make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He grant each and every one of us the deep understanding of taqwa in every aspect. And in this our connection of tonight, that we make dua that Allah ta'ala increases us in our fear and our awe and makes us ever and always wary of Him. And that Allah ta'ala increases in the quantity and quality of our obedience and ita'a and the quality and quantity of our ibadah and worship. And that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala frees our heart from all of the sins, and may Allah Ta'ala grant us the reality and essence of taqwa, and may Allah Ta'ala guide our heart to always have the feelings and states and conditions that He wishes and wills and commands and is pleased with, and may Allah Ta'ala remove from our heart all of those feelings and emotions and states and conditions that He has forbidden and He is displeased with. Wa akhirul da'wana, and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Amen.